Stephen Duffy, Stephen Tintin Duffy, kiss me with your mouth, your love is better than wine, but wine is all I have. Will your love ever be mine? 1985, in case you're wondering, reached number four in the charts. King Solomon, circa 980 BC, Song of Songs, verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. I don't know whether Solomon's going to charge Stephen with plagiarism or not. Two songs of love. Now, do you need me to convince you that we were made for love? After our royal wedding where a a Hollywood princess fell in love with her royal prince charming and married her in a blaze of pageantry on a a sunshine day. Did did you cry as she walked up the aisle? I did. (laughs) My older kids just laughed at me. Do you need me to convince you that we're made for love? After they had passages from this book of the Bible, this book of wisdom literature, Song of Songs, read and preached on by a fiery American preacher who told us not to underestimate the power of love. Do you need me to convince you that we desperately need love? When we live in a world that has taken the physical language of love, sexual intimacy, and killed it dead. A recent London University study found that one in eight 26-year-olds today have never had sex. That's about twice as many as 20 years ago. The reason stated, because they have grown up in a hyper-sexualized society, they are afraid of intimacy. Do you need me to convince you that we're desperately in need of love? When on April the 23rd this year, Alec Minassian hired a van in Toronto, Canada and ploughed into pedestrians on the pavement, killing 10 and wounding 16, not because he was an ISIL terrorist, but because he was associated with incel, those who are involuntary celibate. A group of porn-addled young men who have formed online communities where they talk about taking revenge upon the sexually normal. As one commentator put it, they think they are destined to live eternally without sex and one assumes without love, although no one ever talks of love. Do you need me to convince you that we're in desperate need of love when you know the aches of your own heart, the joy of love stirred, The pain of love spurned, the agony of love lost, the soothing balm of love healed. You see, Solomon of Solomon, verse 1, Solomon's Song of Songs. Solomon was the greatest Old Testament king after his father, King David, probably. He wrote a a thousand and five songs, according to 1 Kings 4.32, and this is his song of songs, his platinum disc, his number one hit, his Grammy winner, the best of the best. This is the holy of holies in the Bible in terms of love. It describes the love between a a man and a woman, between a country girl and her city-dwelling king, a dark commoner and her prince charming. We can but guess at the backstory. We can but wonder whether Solomon wrote this about his own experience of love or whether actually he writes it about the love he was longing for when he worked his way through 700 wives and 1,000 concubines. Solomon was known to be wise, but he wasn't very wise when it came to women. 
Because this, in the end, is a book of idealized love. The love between a shepherd king and his bride. The love that begins and ends in a garden. One beautiful and natural at the beginning of the book. At the end of the book, a city garden, wonderfully cultivated. That's because this is a love that points us to the love of God for his people. A love that begins in the Garden of Eden, beautiful and natural, and ends in the glorious cultivated love of the new creation, where we go, if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to experience God's love perfectly forever. That's why to be single this morning is not to miss out on the greatest love there is. That's why in the end... This isn't a poem about marriage, though it is a poem about human love. It's a poem that's fulfilled in the greatest marriage, the marriage of the Lord Jesus Christ with his bride, the church. As David's already said, this first and foremost is a perfumed love letter from God to his people. And so if you're you're not a Christian here this morning, then I hope as we look at this love, you'll find it desperately attractive. You'll find it utterly unique. You'll find it wonderfully appealing to you. And you'll want to find out more. Because this is a a poem of love. So as we go through it, I'm not going to explain it in great detail. I'm not going to try and analyze it word by word. I'm not going to crush its beauty, I hope, under a load of prose. Rather, I'm going to try and retell it and then apply it both to our human love and to God's love for us in the Lord Jesus. So come, let us talk of desired love. That's what we see in verses 1 to 4, desired love. Look down at verse 2 with me. Let him kiss me with passionate kisses of his mouth. I long for his lovemaking more than anything brings me joy. When you're so close, you smell so good. Your name causes an explosion of pleasure, like aromatic oils poured out over me. My senses are overcome. It's not just what you look like, it's who you are that makes my heart race. No wonder all the other girls long for you too. Verse 4, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. I dream of being alone with you, intimate with you. You are my king, I ache for you. When we see you with him, we're so happy for you. When we see you together, we know your love is so right. Passionate love is a gift of God. The Lord is not prudish. He has given us deep sexual desire for each other. And in its right place, between a man and a woman, the desire for love expressed in physical intimacy is a beautiful thing. A thing to be celebrated, not hidden away or ashamed of. Uh, This girl longs to feel the kisses of the one she loves. She's willing to let him lead her in the relationship. Did you see that? To take her away with him to be overcome by her love for him without fear to be vulnerable to the depths of her desires it's not a picture of sex as a function a physical high 
that has nothing to do with love and everything to do with personal self-gratification, the sex of a bloke's night out, of the Irish rugby players who use a girl, then cast her aside to her own tears while they celebrate and brag about their sordid exploits on WhatsApp. No, this is the love longed for from a woman who, who wants a man who cherishes her, who treasures her, a man whose character is as enticing as his appearance. The Apostle Paul told men, told husbands, how to love wives like this. He says this in Ephesians 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's a passage we'll come back to again and again in the Song of Songs because it places human love intimate human love firmly in the context of the love of the Lord Jesus for us, for his people, for the church. You see, it's his love, the love of the Lord Jesus, which is the life-giving fragrance that draws us to him. It's his love that's seen in his name, the sweet name of Jesus, the name that is above all other names, the name that means the Lord saves. Because it's that name that speaks of his love for us at the cross. It's that name that tells us that his love is good news for all broken and healing, hurting men and women. It's that name that tells us of a love that loves us despite the fact we don't love him. No, by nature we ignore and hate him. You see, it's his love we should long for more than all other love it's his presence we should crave which is why we should cry with the apostle paul what does he say i want to know christ let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth we should desire his love above all else though coming to such a love can expose our own inadequacy see there's love desired But there's also secure love. That's what we crave, secure love. Look at verse 5 with me. Dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedah, like the tent curtains of Solomon. I know I'm different, but I'm still lovable. I'm not fair like you rich city girls. Though my complexion is, is dark like the rough coverings of a, of a shepherd's tent it's also dark like the ornate hangings of the king's palace don't stare at me the sun has cast her eyes on me I am burnt my half brothers angrily force me to labor in the vineyard my own beauty has been neglected do you feel her insecurity do you sense the dismissive glances The eyes of the more sophisticated women, not just lingering, but burning on her for too long. Do you hear the jokes, the dribes of her brothers? Oh, look at little cinders. She has to labor to tend the vines. We've got far too much to do to help you today. Do you see her standing before the mirror, trying to put up her bedraggled hair, her hands ingrained with soil, the tears making smudged channels of light, upon her dirty face. Tell me where you whom I love, where you graze your flock, and where you rest your sheep at midday, 
Where are you, my love? Where do you pasture? Where do you lie down at noon? Why should I wander past all your friends with them looking at me in that way as though I was a veiled prostitute looking for trade when all I want is you? Don't, don't you want me? You know I can't believe it when I hear that you won't see me. Don't, don't you want me? You know I won't believe you when you say that you don't need me. Human League, 1981. That's her fear, isn't it? But listen to the answer of her lover. Our, our headings where it says he, she, and the NIV, they're all pretty arbitrary. That's an interpreter trying to work out who's speaking. I think verse 8 isn't the friends, it's actually her lover, the man speaking. Listen to what he says. If you do not know most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. You say you're dark, I say you are beautiful. You fear wandering in disgrace, I show you the way to me, to security and intimacy in my tent. He answers her fears and then he promises her more in verse 9 to 11. He says, you're like a beautiful mare among the stallions, your coat glistening. Men are just drawn to you because you are so gorgeous. Your jewellery pulls our eyes to your beauty. But more than that, we're going to adorn you further. We're going to give you the jewels of royalty. Body image is literally a curse that cuts across the lives of millions of young men and women. The fear of not looking right. Where right depends on which group you belong to. Which group is providing you with security. See, we need to know that we're loved for who we are, so we change who we are so that we feel more lovable, skinnier, more muscular, getting ready for the beach, putting on the swimsuit, afraid to be seen in the swimsuit, too tanned, not tanned enough. And behind it all, the longing to know we're loved, to know we're accepted, to know that our lover wants us, calls to us. It's why words are such powerful things in relationships, aren't they? My words to often criticize rather than cherish, put down rather than build, wound rather than healed, have to be sought rather than the freely given. See, words can affirm, they can accept, they can adorn the power of a compliment, the strength given by an encouragement, the joy of a congratulation. Words make or break our love. But, but no words are as precious as the words that come in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The words spoken to us who are marred not by the Son, but by our sin. The words that tell us that we are loved even though we are unlovable. The words that say Christ became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The words that speak of his sacrificial death in our place, that we might enjoy his status as royal children. The words that don't tell us how to find him, but rather say that he came to find us, to seek and save the lost, to gather his sheep around him. The words of our shepherd king, the Lord Jesus. The one who says to you, you feel ugly, I will make you beautiful.
You're fearful of the way ahead? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The one who adorns his church, who makes us more and more beautiful, filling us with his spirit. So we just begin a little to love one another. Words that were us to an intimate love. An intimate love. Look down at verse 12. Whilst he lay on his couch, my rich perfume surrounded him. My lover, your head lay between my breasts, resting over my heart. My lover is like precious flowers grown in the oasis of kings at Engedi. And now the compliments fly back and forth. Texts of love sent through the night. Verse 15, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves, hidden, coy, fluttering, suggestive, seductive. How beautiful you are, my lover. Oh, how beautiful is our bed in the countryside, green, fertile, verdant, fruitful. The forest canopy is our home, strong, secure. Chapter 2, verse 1, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. But a flower, a common flower amongst many. Oh, no, you're not. Like a lily amongst the thorns is my darling among the young women. You're one in a million. You're the only one I have eyes for. You're utterly unique. You're without comparison. Like coming across a delicious fruit tree in a wild forest is coming across my lover amongst the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. I feel safe, secure. His fruit is sweet to my taste. He arouses my senses. He satisfies my hunger. I long for him to take me into the party, for all to see his arm around me, his love displayed over me in neon lights. I want to be led by his love, claimed by his love, live under his love. Did you see how they bring different qualities of love to their relationship? This is a relationship between two different but very equal people. There's a man and a woman here. There's an apple tree and a lily. That's the way we've been created. That's our our divinely given character, our divinely given nature, our divinely given biological structure that only this type of intimate love can happen between a man and a woman physically. And she goes on. Strengthen me with raisins, verse 5. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Love has made we weak, overcome, faint, lovesick. We lie together. His left arm cradles my head. His right arm holds me close. He runs it through my hair. The the desire for intimacy lies at the heart of our relationships. It should lie at the heart of our marriage relationships. Oh, some people find their lifelong lover. They hold them, that their eyes never wander, their hearts never grow dim, their lips never cease to praise them. And we need to celebrate that, to be less cynical about love. Song of Songs may give us an ideal here, a love unashamed of intimacy, consumed by one another, a love of freedom and openness. But it's an ideal we should strive for. I was in the city recently. And as I walked past the Bank of England, I noticed a couple on the steps kissing. Not the social peck on the cheek. 
Not the quickly grab smacker on the lips, but a passionate, intense, locked, prolonged kiss that clearly started before I arrived and was going to continue for a long time after I'd walked by. They were completely consumed by one another. It's not the thing one does on the steps of the Bank of England. But, but that is something more like the intensely intimate love that's felt between this beloved girl and her lover. And sometimes our love can be a bit too functional. As uh, one writer said about the mechanics of kissing, the reductionism of a scientific attempt to describe oscillation will inevitably destroy the mystique. We need to reclaim the mystique of the divine gift of human love. But at the same time, we need to recognize this. We will never replace the human need for divine love. Because however great your human lover is, there is actually no better presence to lay over your heart than that of the Lord Jesus Christ, the always faithful lover. There is no oasis where you will find greater refreshment and beauty than the love of Christ. There is no more delightful shade to sit under than that given by Christ's love. There is no more free, sweet fruit than the love brought forth in your heart by the Spirit of Christ. There is no more secure banner over your life than the declared love of the cross of Christ. A banner written not in text or poetry, but in blood and promise. There is no more tender embrace than the everlasting arms of the love of Christ. The arms that rule the universe and have promised never to let you go. So you and I, we're, we're one of billions of people across history. Yet Christ treasures us because we are his beloved and he has set his eyes upon us. And therefore, amongst all the thorns, we are a lead to him, the church. He is our lover and we are his beloved. And that's a love worth waiting for. Because there's a warning in verse 7. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. I charge you by the beautiful and virile gazelle, by the tender and gentle doe, animals that are going to be used in this poem to speak about the beauty of intimacy of human love, but animals whose Hebrew names sound like this. I charge you by the Lord of hosts and God Almighty. That's what the gazelle and the doe sound a bit like. In other words, I charge you by an earthly picture of beautiful young love, and I charge you by the heavenly source of all love. Don't arouse the untamable urge that is sexual desire. Don't wake the sleeping lion that is passionate love, or we might say this morning the Kodiak bear, until love is ready. You can't force love. You can't control love. So be slow to awaken love. Or you'd expect me to say, you can't hurry love. So you'll just have to wait. Love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can't hurry love. No, you'll just have to wait. Just trust in a good time, no matter how long it takes. Now, on a human level, this warning from this girl as she is aroused, it tells us that the power of love needs the commitment of marriage. That is where we're going in Song of Songs. 
The passionate of love needs the covenant, the promise of marriage. The fragility of love needs the constancy of marriage. Those two things, they always go together in this song. Love making and marriage. Consummation is coming in the middle of the song. Until then, we might have longing and desire, but without marriage, there is no action. But at the same time, this verse reminds us that with our love for Christ, though he is committed to us now, we know that we're loved by him and we love him in return. We know that he is ours and we are his. We know that he is committed to us and we're committed to him. We know that our marriage in that way has happened. We are bound with Jesus forever. It's not consummated yet. We have to wait for the full experience of that love. Consummation is yet to come. And however long you have to wait, it is worth it. Because one day, all the descriptions of the beauty and the intimacy of the physical love we find in Song of Songs won't just be fulfilled, but will be exploded across our senses in the most glorious experience of being united to our Lord Jesus forever with him. There'll be no marriage. There'll be no sex. There'll be no difference between anyone. We will just know the perfect, intimate, beautiful taste of God's love forever in eternity. How is it the Apostle Paul puts it at the end of the most famous chapter about love in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see only a a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see him face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray together. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Please, our Father in heaven, would we drink deeply on your love for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would we find our security and our safety in that strong tower? Would we find our protection and our shelter under that shade? Would we find our joy and our passion satisfied by his love for us? Would we become overcome by his love, faint from his love? And our Father in heaven, would you make our relationships in this world, the love of our marriages, more like your love for us in Christ? For Jesus' name's sake, amen.